0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 301 and session number 91 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. And I can't believe I just said 301 or 91 because, man, oh, man, have we made some progress here, right? Man, it's just crazy to think that uh, we've been uh, doing this podcast for uh, for quite a while now, and uh, over 300 episodes and 91 Ascot sessions, that's pretty awesome, and I have you guys all to thank for it. You guys know I love getting on here and uh, sitting around that coffee table, as I've said. Uh, uh, well probably 91 times now. Uh, I just love hanging out with you guys and being able to try to answer some of your questions or give you my opinions or advice. Um, as if we were just, uh, having that cup of coffee and, uh, believe it or not guys, I do have a nice cup of coffee in front of me today and it is, it's really good. The thing is it's raining out kind of nasty, but it's all right. I'm here with you guys, we're hanging out, you know, not much else to do right outside because it's raining, so why not just sit around and have a cup of coffee and talk business? Let's do this, right? Uh, all right, so uh, let me just uh, first off say that uh, I do have a little word phrase here as we're or a little, I guess a little thought. Let's call it a thought today. Uh, not necessarily like a word phrase, although you could say it's a word phrase, but uh we're getting ready for the uh, you know the new year here right depending on when you're listening to this this should air on December 30th uh, happy holidays by the way uh, also I uh, just want to say we're we're almost ready for that happy new year right so 2017 is almost here but we do need to be prepared for you know the 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 upcoming year. Now, I'm not a big big uh, believer in that we have to wait till January 1st before we set our goals. I'm not a believer in that at all. I think you can start it in July. If you're listening to this in July, um, then today's the day, all right? Or tomorrow, um, you you should start really going out there and planning for what you want and just go get it and then just create that plan. So, what I really want to share with you here before we jump into some some questions is, you know, setting your target all right? If we don't have anything to aim at or anything to shoot for, how do we go get it, right? Now, I've talked about this before about finding your why, and you know, and I think that's really important, and I think that you should, and if, if you have not listened to that episode, I'll throw that in the show notes so you can go ahead and do that because I think it's important to understand your why because that helps you throughout this entire process, but if you don't have something to aim at, you have nothing to kind of build towards, right, or even work backwards, Uh, and that's really how I like to to look at things, like if if you're trying to launch your first product, there's certain steps that go into that that you need to basically follow, right, or that you need to do in order to get there, right, so start off with what you're trying to achieve and then work backwards, right, and then figure out all those steps in between. I like to work in sprints, like 30-day sprints, so, if you're going to launch a product, there's probably maybe three sprints. So, there's you know a 30 day sprint. Uh, you know, the 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 first 30 days could be like product research, sourcing uh, samples. The second 30 could be doing your pre-launch, then maybe doing your launch. Uh, you know, depending on timing and all that stuff, and then. The other 30 days would be like really how to promote that product and stuff, right? So there's all of these different things in these sprints that we can be doing. And I like to think of that than this big monster of, of, uh, you know, a a task or, uh, you know, a project, right? Think of it like you're building something. And I always go back to that because you guys know that I was in the construction business for years. Like when we were building a house, we didn't start with just saying like, all right, we're just going to throw it all together. It's kind of like we had to work, you know, backwards, like what was the finished product and then what are all the things that need to go into it and what order do they need to happen in, right? So it's kind of like that. So just reverse yourself back from those targets, but I'd really like you to kind of work in 30-day targets. I think that's really, really important. So work backwards. Well, first off, set the target. Like what do you want and what is achievable? So it's kind of like a smart goal in a sense to where you know that you can, you can achieve that in a short period of time. And that one goal could just be something to lead you towards the bigger goal, right, or the bigger target, but we have to have things to shoot for, right, if you're playing darts and you don't have a bullseye, it's going to be hard to hit the bullseye, right, makes sense, so set your target, right now, again, we're we're talking, you know, if you're listening to this, you're, you know, we're talking right around the first of the year of 2017, if it's later in the year, then this could mean this Saturday, all right, so just really get a pen and paper and start writing down what that target is and then start writing all the steps that lead up to hitting that target and try to work in sprints. And then you can you can kind of allocate your day and your time because another big question I get is scrap well, I don't have time. Well you have to figure it out. You need to build it into your schedule. I mean literally write out every single thing that you're going to do for that entire day and that entire week. And then this way here it's accounted for. And then that this way here you can you can work on those projects or those tasks that are involved in that project. So hopefully this helps you. I really hope that it does because I see so many people getting overwhelmed and confused because they don't have a clear target, okay, and they don't understand how to work backwards, and they also don't know how to work in sprints, all right? So definitely try this out, right? Get a piece of paper, get a pen, good old-fashioned pen and paper. I love that, by the way. I have a whole bunch of legal notebooks that I use, and uh, I just... Constantly keep flipping the page for the next day and the next day, or maybe I have two for that day. Um, but I do like to write things down. I feel like I get it out of my out of my mind, and you know I can kind of feel as though it's down, it's set up, and I can go execute on it and take action. Right? That's what that's what it's all about. So. Anyway, just wanted to kind of start this episode off like that because I think it's important if I was sitting down with you at that coffee shop, this is exactly what I'd be talking about, exactly, so uh, definitely go do that. Now, as always, if you want to download the transcripts or the show notes, you can head over to this episode, which is TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 301, again, that's TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 301, and all of the links and show notes and transcripts will be there for you. The other thing is, if you want to ask your own question on an upcoming Ask Scott session, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, or you can just go to the show notes page, and it'll be there too, uh, and uh, just record your first name, where you're tuning in from, and a brief question, and I'll do my best to answer it on an upcoming show. That would be awesome, and let me know a little bit about you. That'd be great. I'd love to hear from you, so uh, definitely go do that. All right, guys. I think I am. uh, I think I'm ready to go here. I think I'm ready to start uh, answering some questions. So, uh, what do you say? Let's do this. Let's go ahead and listen to today's first question, and I'll give you my answer. Hey Scott, I got a question. Um, How important is it to have a film with your Amazon
1: product? So, if I go to your product and I see an image, and then maybe two more images, and then finally a film at the bottom, and this is a film that you make, not a customer review film, but a film that you make that describes it to me, shows it, and gives me better understanding of it. Um, what are your thoughts on that and the importance of that uh, in the entire process? Thanks.
0: All right. So great question. I wish that I could address you by first name, but I did not get a first name. So I'm just going to say thanks for submitting the question, you. Uh, <laughs> guys, leave your first name, please. I want to be able to address you. I want to be able to uh, mention you by name because uh, if we were in a coffee shop, I would be meeting you and we would be saying like, hey, what's up? John, how you doing, man? Good. Okay. Cool. Let's uh, let's get down to business, right? So, anyway, just a little uh, a little side note there. All right. Cool. Good question. Here's the deal. All right. Now, it wasn't available to put a video in our listing um, up until recently, where if you opened a Vendor Express account. Basically, and then got approved and all that stuff. Um, Then you were able to, uh, I believe it was, and I'm trying to remember, it was like up to five videos for five different listings. So they were allowing you to put the video in the placeholder of your images. Now, I'm not sure if that's still possible, but it was. They were kind of doing that to incentivize you to use Vendor Express. But there's also some reasons that you may or may not want to use Vendor Express. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that. But one of the things is you get to use all of their. Um, all of their ad placements as well, so you get different places that you can put your ads, you can do a banner and stuff like that, but it does also allow Amazon to sell your product and there's some things there that you need to consider when doing that, um, it was my understanding that you you didn't necessarily have to allow them, but it was there if you wanted to, but again, things are changing so frequently, so I'm not going to give you 100% what it is, um, because who knows, it could be changing, but something to look into, Um, The second thing is they just rolled out enhanced content for brand registered businesses, okay, or brands. Now, that's not available yet either inside of that, but I do have a hunch that eventually that will become available, okay, but right now it is not. But if you have a way, whether it's using Vendor Express or when they, uh, you know, when they roll it out in enhanced content, if they do, then yes, I think that's a great idea because People want to see it being used for the most part. Depending on your product, again, it goes down to the product. Does the product lend itself well to a demonstration video? Now, the other thing that uh, that I've seen work and it works pretty well is when someone leaves a review on your uh, on your product, and that review is towards the top of your. Of your reviews, okay? Because maybe people seen it, they got value from it, so then it got upvoted. Now, this is something that you can't go out there and say, "Hey, I'll give you product, so you uh, leave me a review." Again, it's that whole receive reviews in exchange for you know compensation and all that stuff. So you can't do that. But in the past, having a video that was in there, and even if you have someone right now that does just happen to leave a video, and people start to like it, it will start to push itself up to the top and become. One of the first things that they see in the reviews, and that can be very powerful. The best place is going to be in your images, for sure. Okay, in that image location. Now, again, with the enhanced content, not quite sure when and if they'll roll that out, but I have a hunch that they will, because I know that uh, it, it's a benefit that they they know is uh, is is good for the con- the uh, consumer, because it gives them you know a, a way for them to see the product being used and. It's kind of like a little infomercial, in a sense, it can be, or just even just a demonstration to show you that someone else is using it and how they're using it, Uh, so if you are not brand registered, that would be the first thing, because then that'll open up uh, the ability to to use the enhanced content. If you guys have not heard about the enhanced content yet, um, I'm going to direct you over to episode 294, where I had my good friend Chris Schaefer on. We talked all about it. And uh, you can go ahead and check that out. I'll also link that up in the show notes. So that would be my, uh, I guess, my thoughts on this at this point, that yes, if you can get a video in that placeholder, it's going to, I think it's going to benefit you. I think your conversions will go up, but there's no proof, right? We don't have any proof because it's it's going to vary between, you know, products and listings and all that stuff. But if you have the ability, then yes. But I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't spend all my time trying to figure that out right? I, I just wouldn't. Um, it, Unless you're totally out of things to do for that listing and you want to spend some time on it, then fine. But I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my main focus. But if you can get a video there, yes. And it would, it would be a good idea to have something professionally shot as well, I think. So it looks clean. It looks professional. Uh, but if you have the opportunity to do it, do it. Um, and if you don't, then I would just get the enhanced content in there because enhanced content to me is going to be almost as good because you can tell the story or you can explain a lot of the bullets or a lot of the features and benefits through images and then the uh, the, the the text that goes alongside that and it looks prettier and all that stuff so it's easier on the eyes. So definitely go check out episode 294 when you're done listening to this. Of course. All right. So hopefully that answered your question and anyone else that's thinking that. And uh, let's go ahead and listen to the. Next question, and I'll give you my answer.
2: Hey Scott, this is Ray from New York. I just wanted to say it's a great show. Um, I wish I knew about it a year ago. I came a little bit late in the game, um, but I'm still trying to catch up and listen to all the episodes. Uh, my question is about design. Like, I went through Amazon. I'm trying to invest some money in a new product, and um, I just noticed everything seems to be like very bland design. Design-wise, it doesn't seem like people like have custom molds and custom, uh, logos. And, you know, maybe they have the logos, but they don't have like a a completely like new design. Um, I'm thinking about doing that because I want my product to stand out. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, what, you know, is this too expensive to do? It's just, I went on Amazon, I was searching through all the products. I did some research, and it's just like they just got it from china and then they put it on amazon and there's no difference between what i see on alibaba and what they have on amazon so i thought my product if i differentiate it by designing it a little bit better or just cuz i'm a, i have a graphic design background if i you know do my own photoshop layout and send it to china is that going to help me get in the game or does that just not matter i appreciate it thanks
0: Hey Ray from New York. What's up? I'm from New York too. So kind of neighbors, I guess. I'm not sure what part of New York, but I'm upstate New York. I was, I'm in South Carolina now loving it by the way, but uh, love New York too. Grew up there for over 40 years. So yeah, it's part of me. Uh, (laughs) And I I love the Yankees. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Anyone out there who's, you know, the Yankee haters, I apologize for that, but uh, yeah, I'm a Yankee. Uh, Okay. So uh, to answer your question, This is about graphics. This is about making your packaging look really awesome and to have a logo and to have just really, really nice looking stuff. I'm a fan of that, okay? I am a fan of that, but, okay, I'm going to throw a little but in there for you. Uh, If you're just starting out, okay, and you're testing products, then you may not really want to go through all the trouble and the hassle and the expense of doing that without knowing if the product is going to is if it's going to move if it's you know if you're if you're banking on this one product and you want to go ahead and put all of that into there that's fine but my thing is is if you do all that you start to marry that product and when you start to marry that product what I mean by that is you don't want to let it go you want to try to make it work and you're going to do everything you can to try to make it work and sometimes you have to You have to just divorce it. I'm sorry. You have to uh, because sometimes it just isn't going to fly, right? So if you're out there testing products uh, kind of in the open brand concept of where you want to test like maybe you're going to go into three different markets and you're going to launch two or three products in each market and see which one kind of sticks or the ones that, uh, that you can then start to enhance that. That's what I would suggest. Now that doesn't mean that you can't do a little bit of customization. If you're a graphic designer right now, to have your manufacturer do some custom packaging for you, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And for you, the cost isn't going to be anything because you're going to do the work. Uh, So if you have the ability, you have a little bit of a leg up on on a lot of people that you don't have to go out to 99designs or hire a graphic designer. You are the designer. Then I would say go for it. Like. You know, create some packaging that looks really nice. But here's the thing I would use their custom packaging. I would just customize it with your graphics, your logos, but I wouldn't spend weeks on this. It's, I I see a lot of people, they get so hung up on the one thing, right? Like the graphic or the logo um, or even the name for that matter, right? Weeks, weeks upon weeks. And at the end of the day, it's like the product is what's going to really sell, and if you can put something up there that people are going to buy even with kind of not the best packaging, and then you have some really, really good packaging, then I think then you're going to be able to win at that game, right? But if you put all that work into it, all the energy into it, you spend weeks or months doing this, again, you, you become attached to that in a sense, and it's hard to let that go if it doesn't work out for you. Um, so that would be my advice. Now, if you have something that you know is going to work because you just you just know it, right? Maybe you've already got a product in a brick and mortar that's selling well there and you know that it's going to sell on Amazon or you want it to, but you're going to customize the packaging and sell it in retail anyway, then do it, right? Then, then yes, but if you're just starting out and you're starting to test products that you're gonna put into an open brand or maybe you're gonna make your you know your own brand that you think is going to be the one that you're going to run with, uh, then go for it, right? But I would say, I would say personally, do as little as possible when starting, just so this way here you can get that product launched and see if you can get some traction. So that was my long-winded answer, I apologize, but uh, I, uh, I think that it's really important because people get hung up on the, the small little details, and I know packaging is big, though, packaging can be big, like when someone gets the product, they open it up, they feel it, they touch it, it's just the perceived value is there, and when people are scanning, if you have your packaging in there and stuff, and people can see it, it makes them also feel as though it's a better brand, right, because it's just quality, and I get that, but you can also kind of, you can meet it somewhere in the middle, Uh, and not have to go all in and spend weeks or months on creating this custom packaging. So hopefully this answered your question and, uh, thanks so much for the question and, uh, go Yankees and, uh, hopefully they have a better year this year than they had have the past few years. Uh, but I'm still, I'm still a fan. So, all right, let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer.
1: Hey Scott, it's Josh. Um, just had a question I want to run by you. Hopefully I word it correctly. So I'm just having an inventory tracking issue. I sent in 330 units. Um, the good news is that they all sold out. Um, that being said, it it said that 312 of them orders were placed. It said eight of them were returns. I don't know if that is going towards the 312. And then I don't know where the other 10 units are. That would bring me to the 330. Again, it mentioned that all 330 were sold. Eight were returned, but when I looked at orders, it was only 312. So I was just curious if you have any software, how you kind of go about tracking everything. Um, Because that seems to kind of be a struggling point for me right now, just keeping track how many orders are placed, how many units I have in stock. I just want to make sure Amazon isn't maybe losing some of my orders or I'm just trying to stay on top of it and just getting a little bit confused. Um, Hopefully i worded that correctly. It doesn't sound like it, but uh, I guess time will tell. Thank you, Scott.
0: Hey, Josh, thank you so much for the question, and I'm going to do my best to give you a good answer or my thoughts on this, all right? Now, if you're selling a product that's like $50, $60 or more, then I understand, right? We're we're tracking like all the little nitty-gritty as far as like, you know, like, okay, they sold, they, they said 330 were sold, eight were shipped back on refund, but I'm only seeing 310, like I get it, right? That would be like... Again, something you probably want to contact seller support and say, what's going on here? But I first would say, how long have you let that go before you made the assumption that the inventory wasn't matching up? Because here's the deal. Amazon is a beast, right? But their, their tracking and their, their reporting is horrible, in my opinion. I think they need some help there. Uh, but they don't seem to care. It's you know taken a long time for them to make any slight changes, and sometimes they make the change and then they revert back to the old, um, but um, there could be a few different things that's going on here. You could have someone that purchased it and, uh, and then refunded it, but it hasn't been put into the refunds yet. It could have been something that was put in and then taken back out, or it could have been uh, being pushed around because they were moving the inventory, but even though you say it was sold, so it's really just, it's hard to say. Um, I've tried to, to look at that, but then I've kind of given up and I kind of wait and I give it like a week because uh, if I don't, then I'll get frustrated because I'll go back and I'll try to match up like my orders to what it's saying I have left in my inventory in in the uh, you know in back end as far as like what I know that I have available, but then it's saying what my sales were or my orders were. It's usually like delayed by a day or two. Uh, so me personally, I wouldn't worry about it. But again, if you're selling a more expensive product, you definitely want to know what's going on there. But I would reach out to Seller Central or Seller Support, and I would—I'd uh, ask them. I'd get someone on the phone and say, "What's going on here? Can you look into my account?" And then maybe you can get some answers there. Hey, if you do, please let me know. I'm curious myself as to what's going on there. Um, like I said, you know, there's been times that there was inventory that was damaged. And then it's basically pulled out of there. It looks like a sale, but it's really not. Well, it is a sale in a sense because they they actually pay you um, for it. Or if it's lost, I've had some lost, um, and then it'll come back as a sale because they'll pay me for it. So it's just, I'm not really 100% sure of what the issue could be for you. Um, I'm not really sure what it could be for me sometimes, but I do know that if you reach out to seller support, they should be able to at least direct you. And I would call out to them and... Um, Talk to someone there personally, I wouldn't just do it through an email, um, but I would I would probably do both. I would do an email and I would do uh, a phone call, and I think a lot of times if you do the phone call, you'll get someone on. I would do it through uh, US business hours, so this way here, you're, you're dealing with someone in the US uh, primarily. And this way here, uh, you can talk to someone and kind of get to the bottom of it. That's what I would do. Uh, again, sorry, I couldn't give you a direct, like this is exactly what's happening, Josh. Um, the truth is it's usually a mystery (laughs) and sometimes it's hard to even figure that out. So sometimes it won't even be caught up for three weeks, um, before it starts to, uh, to where it makes sense as far as like what you think was a sale to what was a return. And you know, it's just, it can get confusing. So, um, me I don't really know of any tool that I mean the, the all the tools are pulling from the reports um, as far as I know um, and then so from there it's it's kind of looking at what you are looking at but just doing it for you in, in a report and pulling out some of the data again if, if I'm wrong please someone let me know and then this way here we can we could do something and we can we can do a show we can let people know about this uh this uh this way that we can we can figure this stuff out because it is it is frustrating. I I totally sympathize with you on that. So, all right guys, I think we got time for one more quick question. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's uh let's listen to one more question and uh and I'll give you my answer and then we'll wrap this up. What do you say? Let's do it.
3: Hi Scott, my name is Shamil and I'm speaking from uh London, East London in the UK. So, a big hi from uh, uh from myself to all your listeners. I would first of all like to thank you Big thank you to you for your podcast. It's, uh, it's a fantastic podcast, and it's a real. It's been a real driving force behind me for the last, you know, six months that I've been listening to you, um, to to sort of take action. And I finally have taken some action. I'm going to start off with some retail arb uh, products first of all, and I would I would advise a lot of your listeners to maybe take that step first because there's a lot of hoops you have to get through. Um, to launching your first product. I'm just on the cusp of doing that as as we speak. Okay, so my question is, um, how does the launch phase... First of all, how does the um, research phase differ between, say, private label products and uh, uh, retail arbitrage products? Um, I've already been through this phase anyway, but I thought it would be quite useful for the rest of the listeners. My second question is, how does the launch phase differ? So how, I know um, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts about launching private label products, but how does the launch phase differ in Retail Arb? And also, how, how uh, do you have any interesting tips on how to become the top seller where you've got a product where you've got multiple sellers, obviously, which you would have in Retail Arb? So they are my two questions. Um, if you can answer them, that'd be fantastic. Thank you so much for everything that you've done so far. Keep keep the good work going, um, and I'll you know I'll ask you some more interesting questions to to help fellow listeners out in the future. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Hey, Shamil. Thank you so much for the question. Again, I gotta say it. Love the accent. You sound smart. I don't know. Just do. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, OK, this is actually really, really good. I like this question and I like the little bit of advice that you're giving for anyone else that's starting right now, like from scratch. And you're thinking to yourself, this private label thing just seems like a beast right now. And I just want to get started. You're 100 percent right. You know, retail ARB is a great way to get started. The only reason why I didn't do retail ARB in the beginning is, number one, I didn't have to in order to get started because I had a little bit of capital to invest, uh, and I just wanted... I wanted to go down that, that road. It didn't mean it was right. It didn't mean that it was wrong. I just wanted to go down that road versus going out and scanning items um, in the store and, and kind of going through that whole thing or even doing online ARB. I just didn't have the bandwidth at the time either. You know, I had other businesses I was running, and um, I just wanted to kind of go down the private labeling route. So you're 100% right. If anyone is just starting and you're listening right now, Retail Arb is a great way to start and it's funny that you bring this up because uh, my good friend Dom Sugar, who is a Retail Arb uh, guy that's been doing it for a very long time, over 15, 16 years, I believe, maybe even more, Um, but um, we're talking about possibly putting something together, do a little bit of training on that because it is a great Way for people to start, and I, I've asked him privately. I'm like, is is it a way for people that can actually get started and make a thousand bucks, like relatively quickly? And he's like, absolutely. Like, I could totally help someone do that Um, because a lot of people just overlook that now because everyone's into private labeling, and it's true. Private labeling is to me, it's great because you own. The product you're you're the manufacturer in a sense that you can control the inventory and all that stuff. Retail ARB is still another revenue stream that you can either you can hire people to do the retail ARB for you and add it to your business. Uh, so there's a ton that you can do there. We probably will be doing more on that. Um, I've got a couple of uh, thoughts as far as like what we could do to maybe make some type of training for that or maybe a workshop. But um, I'll be letting you guys know of course. But Uh, It's a great idea, and if you guys are at all at that stage where you're just like, I'm just not sure if I want to even do this, well, retail ARB would be a a really low-risk way of doing it, and you can also make some money in the process, so definitely, definitely do that, all right? So great advice. Now, to talk about retail ARB launch and like a private label launch, they're completely different. A retail ARB, the reason why it is easier in a sense is because you're not having to do a launch. Because what you're doing is you're 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 taking that product on that brand and you're launching it on that listing. So you're not even creating the listing. So literally, you don't have to do the pictures. You don't have to do the bullets. You don't have to do the description. You actually can't do any of that stuff. You have to you have to sell it on that that uh, that listing that's already created because that brand has already created that. All right. And then you sell on it. And that's why, you know, you talk about sharing the buy box. Well, if you're fulfilling it by Amazon and let's say that there's four people that are on that listing that are doing fulfilled by Amazon, that means that they found a product at a discount. Maybe they found 10 of them and then they, they send them into Amazon, right? And Amazon's going to fulfill. them. But some other people have them fulfilled by merchant. Okay. So maybe there's 10 other sellers that are fulfilling it by merchant. Well, you really are only competing, in my opinion, with the fulfilled by Amazon because those are the ones that are going to be probably rotated more inside of that buy box. So that's how we talk about like sharing the buy box. So if you are doing retail ARB, you're probably going to be sharing the buy box, but then you have to see how much volume is there as far as how many sales are being generated because if there's only 10 sales a month and there's 10 sellers... Well, you might make one sale a month, right? Because it's going to rotate through usually. And yes, a lot of times it's by price, but not always. Where depending on your feedback, your seller feedback. That's why we talk about getting good sellers' feedback and all that stuff. Because there's some other things that could help you get that buy box. Um, and there's a whole there's like I said, like you know, Dom would know more about that. But there's a whole strategy around uh, finding products and and uh, and then also looking at the buy box. But there's really no launch process that you're going to do with the retail ARB stuff, you're just going to, you're going to sell it, you're going to put it on that listing and sell it, the the traffic is already coming to that listing and the the ranking is already happening, that's why it's, you know, it's a great way to do it, right, the other thing you have to be careful of is some brands don't allow you to sell their product on that listing, so then you have to be careful what products you can, what products you can't, right, so that's the downfall with that, now with private labeling, you're right, there is a launch process and we've talked about the entire launch process before, um, I'm not gonna do it here on this episode, obviously, this is an S Scott session, but real quickly, the way that it works is, number one, product research, you have to find products that are low, comp- or low competition, so this way here, you don't have to do a big old promo, right, so you have to get a ton of reviews and all that stuff, like you, you wanna find products that are getting sales with a low amount of reviews, so this way here, you don't have to do that big launch, but you're still gonna wanna get sales out of the gate. So you're probably gonna wanna run a little bit of pay-per-click in the beginning. You're probably going to wanna build an external email list of some kind or reach out to influencers in that market and then do a discount on your product. Um, So this way you can start the sales process. You can start to get your your listing ranked. You can get it optimized, all of that stuff. So there's more that goes into private labeling for sure, but then once you get that up and running, it's yours, and you're the only one gonna be selling on your listing, especially now with brand registry, And then the content, the enhanced content, that's going to give you a leg up. It's going to also make another hoop for people to jump through to be able to come on your listing. Now, not everyone as of right now, but if you are brand registered and you have a pretty well-seasoned account, I believe that you're going to have to get access or you're going to have to get permission to sell that product on there. And what I basically mean is let's say that I find your product at a garage sale, and I want to sell it, and it's brand new in the packaging, I, if I go to try to list it on your listing, Amazon won't let me, uh, because what they're going to say is, they're brand registered, you need to contact the seller and get permission, and um, if you're brand registered, that should, that should happen, now, it, From what I'm gathering, it hasn't happened for everyone. It may have some other things to do with how old your account is and all that stuff, but for the most part, I'm hearing that that's kind of in the works now, so that's really good for us because now we don't have to worry about hijackers and all that stuff, so hopefully that answers your question. It's easier for retail ARB, right? There is some different things you have to consider with that. That business model, right, and then private labeling, it's a launch process that you're doing to get sales, so this way here, you can uh, start to rank and get optimized and all that stuff, so hopefully, I I described that well enough for you guys to understand, but again, going back to uh, what you said, Shamil, definitely anyone else that's listening right now, Retail Arb is a great way to start. If you want to even add that to your current private labeling uh, business, then go for it, right? It's funny. Um, I was at our TAS Breakthrough Live event. And I was talking to one of our attendees. Actually, he he attended both of our breakthroughs, uh, the one in Denver and then the one in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, you know he's he's doing now like upwards of a hundred thousand dollars a month, like crazy, private labeling. But he also is doing some retail arb. And I'm I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, here's this guy doing really well with private labeling. Like, why is he even doing retail arb? And you know he just clearly told me, like, when I see a great opportunity or a great deal, I'm going to take. I'm going to take that deal and I'm going to make some money at it. Like that's just the mentality. So just because he's doing well with the private labeling doesn't mean that if he sees something over here that he can make or kind of flip in a sense. It's almost like flipping a house. If he sees something that he can flip and double his money, he's going to do it. Um, so I, I found that kind of interesting, but I also realized at that point that just because people are already selling private labeling doesn't mean that they won't want to do retail ARB, uh, or online ARB or anything like that. So, uh, definitely gonna be doing a little bit of training on that I think coming up I'll let you guys know more about that again my good friend Dom sugar um, great great uh, friend of mine now but also just someone that I really think is a leader in this retail Arb thing and he's uh he's just been kind of behind the scenes for a very long time so uh, I wanna I want him to to kind of be able to reach out there and and help anyone that wants to get into this retail Arb so Keep an eye out for that. We're going to we're gonna probably do something together. Um, all right, guys. So uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. This was a little bit longer than I expected. I didn't think it was going to be this long. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. What do you say so you can get on with your weekend, get on with this new year, this happy new year, which is com- is going to be happening here really, really soon. So uh, let me just remind you guys of the show notes. If you guys want to check out the transcripts, the show notes, all that good stuff, head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 301. Again, that is TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 301 one and uh yeah if you want to ask a question head over to the amazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can do that just leave your first name please and this way here I can address you by your first name and say hey what's up man and uh we can uh go ahead and uh and have that personal conversation. What do you say? All right, guys. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, happy, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for being a TAS listener. And uh, hopefully you guys are getting value and uh, you guys keep me posted on your journey. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're doing and what you're struggling with so I can help you in 2017. So go out there, set your target, work backwards and work in sprints, just like I said in the beginning. All right, guys. So remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud. Let's say it going into 2017. Take